right, welcome to the Texas Hip Show. This is podcast number 32. And we are having a little fun with me being at home this week and doing the digital video stream while Jess is hosting the show there at our studios in Round Rock, Texas. It is podcast number 32. We are excited this week with Shayla Torabi joining us in studio here this week on the on the podcast. Colby Hippel, I guess, is running late, Jesse. Jesse, how are you, Shayla? I'm doing great. A little chaotic. I can't wait to hear how Jesse's doing. I was rode hard and put away wet. I guess that's the phrase. Wait, talk well, about horses. It's been a week, hasn't it? A couple weeks. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about the 87th legislature. There's some things going on down there. I, I know that Coleman and yourself, as well as Heather and all of you guys that are uh, busy advocating for, for hemp and marijuana reform in Texas have been down there at the Capitol. Some things are changing. I've been kind of getting updates from both Texas Cannabis Collective, Jesse. I've been getting updates from Normal, from Jax. I'm also getting my daily kind of several updates from Heather Fazio. I don't know uh, if you guys are getting those as well, but I've been following everything from my computer as the emails come in. And, and it looks like they've made some changes to several bills. What's been your experience this week, Jesse? So medical bill, I'll start with that. That was the dooziest of them all because we had to push super hard to get this sent over to committee. And from, from, from there, we had to wait for it to be assigned. So Friday afternoon, we're scrambling to get this a committee hearing, which means suspending the rules, which is, that's not uncommon. They suspend the rules in the Senate all the time. But a bill has to be given 24 hours posted notice. And it's usually because you want people to be able to show up and testify. The reality for this is they did not want this to drag out. They did not want a bunch of people coming in and testifying and it taking like five hours to get this done. Luckily, I believe it was, was it Tuesday, no, Monday, Monday, they, they finally got a hearing. Middle of the afternoon, hearing shows up. They pretty much read and said, this is what we're amending. This is how this is going to go. Voted on it immediately, walked it out for bill analysis. Bill analysis was complete and back to the Senate to be on the intent calendar for the next day. Tuesday rolls around. I believe it was about nine o'clock at night. They suspended the rules again, read the bill right then and there. Within like two to three minutes, they had read through the second and third readings of the bill, voted on it unanimously, it was done. With the caveat that they went from 5% to 1%. And that we removed chronic yeah. pain. So we, lo- we lost chronic pain out of the mix. Mm. We, we lost yeah, the we, lost, we lost chronic pain. It went from 5 to 1%, right, Jesse? Correct. What else? We took another hit on that one as well. We lost DSHS being able to make recommendations. I'm trying to think what else. Let's say it was the chronic pain thing left. Else, yeah, that, there's anything else they took out of it that, that's pretty disappointing i think super frustrating the biggest thing that we're we were trying to point out to people now is there are individuals in this space going well you we doubled thc for you 
and it's like the doctors are not going to change what they're per, they're recommending for people to take. So if they're saying, hey, I want you to take 10 milligrams three times a day, it's not that's not changing because we went from 0.5 to 1%. All we've done is reduce the amount of what's called carrier oil, or I'm starting to call it bottle filler, mm. because if they want you to have just THC, you have to fill the bottle with something else to meet these percentage requirements. And the bottle filler can wreak havoc on your digestive system. The 5% would have worked a lot better because MCT oil is a common carrier. I imagine you see this a lot in your industry as well, Shada. For sure, yeah. My observation, too, with the medical marijuana in Texas, I don't refer to it as bottle filler, but like especially from an edible perspective, they're cushioned with CBD. So they have like a one-to-one ratio or a one-to-three ratio. So does this transition from 0.5 to 1% increase that by weight? So if an edible can only cap at 10 milligrams delta-9 THC, can it now cap at 20 milligrams delta-9 THC? If you were keeping the edible the same size, how much THC you could put into the edible would be more. Right. But say, like I, I, I say bottle filler because the way our program works, we really, we've only recently started doing edibles, but you were getting these bottles that were like tincture bottles. So you had 0.5 of that bottle being your THC you needed, you could have max for the entire bottle. Right, you could drink the whole bottle and get a higher percentage of THC, but well, it's were- more... CBD and MCT oil in there. So you're only getting so many milligrams per bottle. Well, now you'll get more milligrams per bottle and less of the carrier oil. Got it. Well, well. It's not a great way to get your medicine. It's not. And and, and that's disappointing. So we haven't gotten that one totally. That that one hasn't been totally confirmed, but it would. It's likely to confirm that bill tonight. Right, Jesse? So the medical one's already been, it passed through the Senate. They've taken okay. their vote. Because there were amendments on it, it either, it goes back to the author and I'll ask the author, are you accepting of the amendments that took place? If they say yes, that's it. Both chambers sign off on it, goes to the governor. If Click, because she was the author, says no, I want to have conference committee, then we, they will pick, from my understanding, it should be her, because she's the author, Schwartner would be on it as a senator because he was the sponsor. And he'll pick two more people from the House and two more people from the Senate. Who those people will be, we have no idea. They will get together and they will try to work an agreement between the two on what's acceptable. If you're an advocate, that's the point where we say, well, if, when we find out who these individuals are, we say, hey, if you're their constituent, reach out to them and say, hey, I'd like a compromise between the 1% and 5% or please add chronic pain back in. Yeah, that was real disappointing that they took chronic pain out. That was something that my wife would have been able to benefit from as uh, you know, like yourself, she has rheumatoid arthritis, she also has lupus. Uh, that would have been, you know, did they keep the cancer in there, Jesse, in the language? Did they keep, say again? Uh, the cancers, did they keep that yes. in the bill? Yes, cancer. Okay, well, Cancer is no longer terminal cancer. It would just be regular cancer. Well, it, it would have been nice if they'd have kept the the percentage expanded to 5%. That would have been, a, I think, a better victory. It would have made it definitely – the other thing is it would have made it more affordable for people because I talked about filler, talked about the CBD cushioning. CBD is not cheap right now. It really isn't. So, <laughs> so it's actually – 
cheaper to do THC than yeah, it is you're, CBD. You're buying the, the little amount of THC they're giving you, but you're really paying for that added CBD when you could be having, like you said, more THC, which should be more THC. They're basically giving you a nice hemp oil extract that <laughs> it's CBD with instead of a maximum of 0.3 THC, it was a maximum of 0.5, and now it'll be a maximum of 1%. Well, here's an interesting thought that just came to mind, you know, from from understanding the medical market here in Texas, we can't have smokables. You highlighted we just kind of recently, I don't know, recently in the last two years since the last legislative session, we got edibles. Otherwise, prior to that, it was just oils. But when you're talking about oils, I mean, what is the makeup of that? Is it a full spectrum product with the THC percentage higher? Or is it like to me, medical, if you're looking at the full cannabinoid profile with terpenes, everything together, that to me is more medicinal versus just here's a bottle with, you know, 0.5% THC versus now 1% THC. Do you have any insight into that? Not fully. My understanding, the first thing to address is we talk about flour. Nothing currently in our law says we can't have flour. It just says that you cannot combust the material. It cannot be burned. So why do you think operators like Compassionate Cultivation aren't testing that and selling non-smokable flour? I think the issue is is that if they hand it out, well, I was to hand it out, if they actually sold under the program flour, first off, good good luck getting a strain that's at 0.5 or now 1% or would have been under the previous language of the bill 5%. Sure, it is much harder to control that percentage versus if you're taking extraction or distillation, we can be more exact. And that, that was gonna go into another point as well where I had had talks with them and they had done genetics where they had 0.5 done, they had like got that down pat. But they were also doing a method where basically they were using basic, I want to say basic, but what we consider a marijuana plant. Mm -hmm. And just saying, well, we were going to extract that, pull what we need out of it, dilute it as we see fit for whatever patient needs. But as well with the flower, it's something that more likely people would go home and they would wind up burning it. Mm Mm-hmm. They're gonna, they're, 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 they're gonna wind up rolling it up in something and they're gonna put it in a, in a water pipe. And I even went as far, I had this discussion with a couple of other advocates where there's an issue of define burn. And people are like, well, you vape and you're not combusting it. I was like, but they define combustion as like burning it. And there are plenty of vape devices like that are gonna- anything that heat is applied. It, it, it's gonna wind up leaving you with a product that looks brown and burnt. For sure. So, you can't do that, and you may be sitting in a gray area. You probably have to petition the state for remedy in the end. The DPS officers are probably going to think, well, nobody's. we haven't been told that that was something explicitly authorized. You run the risk. Sure, they're just being cautious. They're the only operator right now. They're kind of waiting to see how things flesh out, I'm sure. But that is just an interesting kind of caveat to the whole thing. I mean, we're talking about medical marijuana, the medicinal value of the plant. And I think if anybody is, you know, consuming cannabis, I do personally believe there is benefit in isolation. So isolating cannabinoids out like CBD isolate products, for example, obviously Delta eight's another hot topic I'm sure we're going to get into, but that is an isolate. But when you're looking at it for these conditions that we're highlighting, it is great to obviously see them be 
expanded upon. It's frustrating for them to kind of expand and then contract on some of these really significant things like you highlighted Russ with your wife with chronic pain. I know that part of my journey of cannabis is from my car accident and recovering and, you know, being hit by a pedestrian by a car that's created a lot of pain. And, and I'd like to be able to take advantage of medical marijuana myself, but it's frustrating that they're pulling back on that aspect. Oh, definitely. Let's take a quick break. We'll talk more Texas info on the other side, guys. CRI is a top 25 nationally ranked CPA firm with offices across the Southeast and with clients across the globe. Over the last few years, our firm has developed a niche in the agriculture and cannabis industry. We understand the unique challenges growers and processors face every day, including addressing challenges resulting from the USDA and DEA final interim rules, banking and insurance concerns for cannabis businesses, unique farming challenges associated with hemp and high THC cannabis, and GMP clean room management and general management for business in the rapidly changing cannabis market. Our seasoned team of professionals can help you meet these challenges with sound business, tax, financial, accounting, and technology advice. Visit CRICPA.com to find out more or schedule your free introductory consultation. That's CRICPA.com. The third annual Southern Hip Expo is now open for exhibitor and sponsor registration. This year's event will take place at the Convention Center in Raleigh, North Carolina on September 2nd through the 4th, where we will have three days of conferences, seminars, and workshops, 250 plus exhibitors, and numerous networking and entertainment opportunities. For more information, check out southernhempexpo.com. Since 1938, TPS Lab has been guiding growers of many different crops around the world to making maximum yields and quality and solving difficult field problems with advanced innovative solutions. Hemp Plan offers the most advanced guidance to industrial hemp growers. The purpose of Hemp Plan is for you to realize the highest quality and yields with minimal THC for your crop's genetics by minimizing plant biotic and abiotic stresses. TPS Lab offers many services and options to the industrial hemp grower. Contact Joe at TPS Labs at 956-383-0739. That's 956-383-0739. That's TPS Lab. You're listening to The Texas Hemp Show, produced by your friends at The Texas Hemp Reporter. 60,000 copies published free every year. The Texas Hemp Reporter is mailed to over 2,000 licensed hemp producers in Oklahoma, New Mexico, Arkansas, Louisiana, and Texas. News, technology, trends, finance, culture, health, all things hemp in the Lone Star State. The Texas Hemp Reporter Magazine. Now, Back to the show with your host, Russell Doughton. Welcome back, guys. How's it going? It's going. Uh, any change on the uh, what happened with the bill with the decrim? Have we have we noticed anything going on? Is that getting any closer to getting pushed through, Jesse? 
as far as I know, that is going to likely go to conference committee. It's that's another one of those things that the Senate's passed it. Um, the big issue with it was that the Delta Eight ban was also attached to that bill. It got attached. The Delta Eight ban got attached to two separate bills. One we knew was coming, though the hemp bill. The hemp bill. Now, I knew it was coming, but we had heard about it for much longer to kind of navigate it, and then. I thought it got attached second to the medical marijuana bill, not the decrim bill. It got attached to the concentrate decrim bill, and Perry was the senator who had it attached. Yes, he has a lot of opinions on Delta 8 as an intoxicant. <laughs> Jesse. Well, I'm, I'm like, there's, <laughs> nothing else, there's, there's nothing left to say about that. He, the, I'm like, maybe Russell's gonna got something he wants to chime in He's got in a about zinger. Uh, I don't know. I just... Um, I mean, it's like, you know, it's two steps forward, one step back. And sometimes it seems like uh, it's challenging to this is really my first year getting getting into this space. I really thought that, you know, we would get some more some more reprieve with marijuana, Jesse. That was really what I was hoping for. But uh, it's uh, they're they're just tinkering along here. It seems like what about the hemp bill? I know that's really Coleman space, probably more, Jesse, but. What do we know on this bill? So, as we mentioned last week, there was uh, an addition ad for Delta 8. Let me actually find, I had the language for it, and then there was another amendment added on the floor today. Um, But the the Delta 8 amendment was a section to be added about tetrahydrocannabinol content. So, notwithstanding any other law, a person may not manufacture, sell, or purchase a consumable hemp product in this state that one has a Delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol concentration of more than 0.3% on a dry weight basis that contains synthetically derived THC as defined by department rule, including synthetically derived acids, isomers, or salts of tetrahydrocannabinol. That in the form and quantity as packaged for consumer use is reasonably determined by the department to have an intoxicating effect. Four, that exceeds any federal limit for tetrahydrocannabinol or Five, if any additional tetrahydrocannabinol in a concentration of greater than 0.3% on a dry weight basis has been applied to the product. So basically they're saying it's not just Delta 9 being applied, that if you applied any other isomer, such as Delta 8, Delta 10, Delta 20 through 20,000, if <laughs> it won't matter if, if as long as it's one of these isomers, it's a THC isomer, it is not going to be legal according to this if it's done for human consumption as well as you cannot as i say you can't spray it on the product they say has it been applied to the product Hmm. and they were really trying to address these i want to call them derivatives because that's what it is you've derived it from cbd that has been sprayed i guess is is the easiest way to accurate make an analogy of what they're doing with this it's a gross word, but it's accurate. It's been applied. <laughs> these hand motions in the video <laughs> to, to the flower so that people could, they could technically eat it. Mm-hmm. I don't know many people who are probably doing that. I eat a lot of Delta 8 gummies. Well, I mean, of, of the flower. I don't imagine people oh. are taking, getting Delta 8 applied hemp flour and right. going, mm, I don't see that being a common item. Right. There's probably somebody out there who does it and power power to them. That's different strokes for different folks. 
Right. Yes, there are people who are using Delta 8 cookies, Delta 8 gummies. Delta 8 toothpicks, like we saw at Lucky Leaf a couple weekends ago. Yeah, I saw ago. a picture of you and Coleman with Delta 8 toothpicks. I was like, That really? was wild. It was just dipped in Delta 8, so it wasn't sprayed, but yeah, it was dipped in Delta 8, allegedly. Just what I need is Delta 8 my gum line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of crazy when you think about, because like the way that we refer to Delta 8 through our retail is... We, we're not trying to hide it. I'm not trying to tell people like, oh, this is a naturally occurring cannabinoid. I mean, it is it is naturally occurring in the sense that it, it is a part of the plant, which yes. is why we found it. The synthetic isomerization part of it is because it's not in abundance naturally in the plant. And so to mine it, to create enough of it for you to have an effect, um, you have to synthesize it you have to create it and so that process as we were kind of talking before we started recording varies there's no standardization to it and so I totally understand where the state is coming from in their attack on delta 8 the unfortunate part is I think they're doing a disservice to the marijuana and the cannabis conversation at large because instead of leaning into regulation and standardization they're just kind of making a blanket statement which I think is going to eliminate the legal market and it's going to force people into more of an illicit market. I mean, I have hundreds and thousands of customers who benefit from Delta 8. They're not on their opioid medications. They're titrating off their medications. They're not consuming as much alcohol as they were. Again, I understand there's some murkiness around the curation of it, but if you find good manufacturers and processors, I do believe there are credible people out there who are creating Delta 8. And I think consumers should have access to all the cannabinoids. What does this really mean for the retailers? Uh, you know, you're a retailer yourself. I mean, is is this gonna is this gonna make? It's gonna be a blow. It's gonna be a blow. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, we've seen the conversation in a retail setting transition. I mean, I wish I could have a camera on my retail door. Because I sit in my office, we have a staff, they operate the retail front, and so I sit in my office and I will hear people come in and they say, I'm here for Delta 8, I'm here for Delta 8, I want a Delta 8 gummy, I want a Delta 8 vape. And so the consumer, whether the state of Texas likes it or not, has caught on to Delta 8 and they enjoy it. And as a business owner, um, as a marketer, as a consumer of cannabis myself, it's not my place to tell you, you should or shouldn't have this cannabinoid. You should only smoke it. You should only eat it. Your body's different. You have different preferences. People should have access to all the cannabinoids. My my focus on Delta 8 is not because I think Delta 8 should be legal. Obviously, I'm pro all legalization in the sense of having access to the full plant. Legalization is a murky word to me. I don't love total pro-legalization in that capacity because federal legalization is scary when you're talking about interstate commerce and things like that. But again, going back to why like Delta 8 is the the focus, well, because that's one that's being attacked. If it was another cannabinoid, I'd care about that cannabinoid. It's just whatever's yes. being attacked, I want my consumers, I want my people, I want my citizens of Austin, of Texas, to have access to these cannabinoids in lieu of other things. And then when you are sitting there, I know I was there with you when they were going through the hemp bill last week, they came out so strong anti-Delta 8 he referred to another retailer um, as, you know, a drug lord saying, you know, the Mexican drug cartel, well, they they pay their taxes, you know, they're oh, yes. <laughs> whatever. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Meanwhile, in the same, you know, flash, Texas just legalized alcohol to go. 
And we know alcohol has so many negative benefits, I mean, negative impacts to um, our bodies, to us as we're aging. I mean, you're talking about, you know, 21 through plus age demographic versus how many people have been impacted by cannabis by Delta 8. And that was what I got asked today. I was actually doing a session with Fox 7, which will air tonight at 9 p.m. on the local news. They're talking about Delta 8 because it's obviously very popular because so many consumers have caught on to it. And she asked me, she was like, you know, what would you what would you say why to legalize it? I'm like, well, we've had it for the last year. What what is it a problem? What's what's happened? You know, has anybody complained or died or had any significant impact? Well, I've I've made the comment that we we had this argument put against us for the longest time trying to legalize anything that if we did this, the sky was gonna fall. For sure. And it's like well, we had Delta Eight for all this time now, and it's like the sky did not fall. But there is something to note, and it was something that came up in the committee that there's issues with. You brought up credible, for sure. But there are people out there that are credible retailers. They are credible creators. They create a credible distillate for this product. There are also a ton of shady. Yeah, unfortunately, in our market. more of those people, I would agree. I don't think the majority of people selling Delta 8 are credible, unfortunately. So I, I understand where the frustration with Delta 8 comes from. Another point to highlight that I think is interesting to kind of touch on, you look at other states, Colorado being one, they have a legal marijuana market. They've outlawed Delta 8. But then you look at a state like California, who also has a legal market, they're, they're honestly, in one of my opinions, one of the people who has been pushing Delta 8. So you see kind of both sides where there's legal states, they're pro, they're anti. And then Texas is in this weird position where these other states, they, they started with a legal market and then hemp opened up where you're, now you're getting this weird nebulous of like other cannabinoids. But we're the opposite. We started with a hemp market. We don't have a legal rec or medical market. And so that's where I see us just being in a really weird position because we don't really have another alternative for consumers well i had a word with i had a word with coleman this week about going over part of what was brought up during the committee hearing and it was that this guy who who made the comment about we're not cartels we're licensed legitimate businessmen Mm -hmm. when they talk about taxpayers is the individual brought up that we have we have labs that are apparently lumping Delta 9 and just calling it Delta 8. Oh, for sure. So you technically have a hot product out on the market that's being claimed to be Delta 8, isn't. As well as talking to Coleman about lab tests that are coming back on this. That that happens. That's one thing that happens. But we're also finding, it's like, what are people cutting this product with? And the stuff that he told me specific, when I asked for specific stuff, was frightening like my stomach turned and it's it's really gross unfortunately i have been numbed by the internet for the last like two decades and my stomach turned when he told me things like bleach paint thinner i was just googling around to find distillate MC, i was like not as bad as those two mct oil if you smoke or vape mct oil it is going to likely irritate the living snot out of your lungs Oh, for sure. And we don't even really have research to show what the long-term damage is for people who would do so. 
but of that, even cannabis in general, which is, I think, a fair point to highlight. I mean, we need we don't need them to restrict cannabinoids. We need them to put better regulations and standards in place. Correct. So to me, banning Delta 8 just further encourages an illicit market where we further have no regulations and no standards. I mean, you think these people who already don't care about COAs and quality products are going to give a shit? Well, I've run into that. Somebody brought up to me they were... They were mentioning a business, and they said, yeah, I went to the guy's website, and the guy's got more than a handful of products, but only one COA available. Yeah. Now, all his QR codes go to the exact same COA. And it's like, you don't have one COA for all of your products, unless you're literally like using the same CBD, like I guess distillate. Base for everything. Base for everything. And even then, it's like, well, what else is in this product? If you put it in a gummy versus putting it in a cookie mm-hmm. versus putting it in a vape cartridge, there should be, to me, there should be COAs that show exactly what has went into that. Like, it should show there's gummy bear, mm-hmm. there's cookie, but that's not it. It's just showing, hey, I've got one COA. That's it. That's all I have. Well, but then the flip side of that is you do have regulations in place to some extent. So, like, for us as a retailer, we are a part of the Department of State Health Services as a licensed retailer, which requires me to be a license holder, to have my products tested, to have other, you know, things that I have to abide by to be a, a above ground operating business. But they're not really properly regulating the current market. So Correct. I think that we need to spend our time and energy. Like, I don't know why we keep having these conversations around Delta 8 this, Delta 8 that. It's like, how about you hire another person on dishes and actually regulate the businesses who are operating? Well, that, well, that was the discussion I had in Go Perry's to the gas office. stations. <laughs> go to the smoke shops. That was a discussion I had in Perry's office was about how it's like we need them to go out and do these things. They're like, they didn't have a budget for this. Nobody gave them any money. And then in, in the last session, an account was created for TDA. So when they charged for licenses, it could go into a special account for the hemp program. Dishes did not get that. The new bill we have going forward will do that. So there will be money they can collect and put in this account from those licenses. And my solution, I told them, was I was like third-party testing by licensed testers. And there needs to be an audit of the labs that are involved. Oh, for sure. Because there's obviously going to be some labs that say, hey, I get it. You had a hot product. You pay me a couple extra bucks. And just like that car inspector down the street, I'll ignore some things and fill the paperwork out for you. Oh, I hear that nonstop. I mean, just being in the industry, you're talking to people and it's really wild. Some of these businesses don't care. I mean, we're talking about that. I went to a a smoke CBD expo a couple months ago and every other booth was Delta 8 and you see these people selling and they can't tell you about the product. They can't tell you, you know, how it was made, how they derived it, percentages. And then you see people literally walk up and say, I want to buy your whole booth. I'm like, who are these people buying this product without even qualifying if it's integrity? So I understand the scare, but I do think that we just need better standards. And maybe it starts with, if you're a Texas brand, you should test in Texas. Yes, definitely. Well, the other thing, too, guys, is they made the uh, didn't they rule on the bill for the handgun? I mean, that was such a big deal um, that that got a lot of press recently and this week. Uh, did that did that pass, Jesse? Uh, the constitutional carry bill, it, it got out of conference committee and is going to the governor. But we need to take a commercial break here. The Texas Hemp okay. Show. We co-host Jesse Williams with host Russell Dowden joining us live from his very own home, his abode. 
Stick with us. We come back. We've got more information about the legislative session. We'll be right back after this commercial break. CRI is a top 25 nationally ranked CPA firm with offices across the Southeast and with clients across the globe. Over the last few years, our firm has developed a niche in the agriculture and cannabis industry. We understand the unique challenges growers and processors face every day, including addressing challenges resulting from the USDA and DEA final interim rules, banking and insurance concerns for cannabis businesses, unique farming challenges associated with hemp and high THC cannabis, and GMP clean room management and general management for business in the rapidly changing cannabis market. Our seasoned team of professionals can help you meet these challenges with sound business, tax, financial, accounting, and technology advice. Visit CRICPA.com to find out more or schedule your free introductory consultation. That's CRICPA.com. The third annual Southern Hip Expo is now open for exhibitor and sponsor registration. This year's event will take place at the Convention Center in Raleigh, North Carolina on September 2nd through the 4th, where we will have three days of conferences, seminars, and workshops, 250 plus exhibitors, and numerous networking and entertainment opportunities. For more information, check out southernhempexpo.com. Since 1938, TPS Lab has been guiding growers of many different crops around the world to making maximum yields and quality and solving difficult field problems with advanced innovative solutions. Hemp Plan offers the most advanced guidance to industrial hemp growers. The purpose of Hemp Plan is for you to realize the highest quality and yields with minimal THC for your crop's genetics by minimizing plant biotic and abiotic stresses. TPS Lab offers many services and options to the industrial hemp grower. Contact Joe at TPS Labs at 956-383-0739. That's 956-383-0739. That's TPS Lab. You're listening to The Texas Hemp Show, produced by your friends at The Texas Hemp Reporter. 60,000 copies published free every year. The Texas Hemp Reporter is mailed to over 2,000 licensed hemp producers in Oklahoma, New Mexico, Arkansas, Louisiana, and Texas. News, technology, trends, finance, culture, health, all things hemp in the Lone Star State. The Texas Hemp Reporter Magazine. Now, back to the show with your host, Russell Dowd. Welcome back to the Texas Hemp Show. I'm your host, Jesse Williams, joined with Shada Tarabi of Restart CBD. How are you doing, Shada? What's up? I'm enjoying this discussion. I'm learning a lot. And yeah, got- it's fun to get, get, all this, get this topics out here. This is the last week of the 87th legislature. I believe session ends on Friday. So any of these bills that everybody's been working hard on, they're all coming to fruition, their work, and... And uh, and then we'll have two years to think about everything, Jesse. Pretty much. It's a nice way of putting it. Uh, and I'm wondering technically <laughs> if Friday is the actual day because I've heard it's a sin, sin die, sin mm-hmm, D. Mm-hmm. I call it Cindy. 
I think Cindy it's fun. Day. I, I think it's fun to call it Cindy Day. That that's actually Monday, May thirty first, but May thirty first is also Memorial Day. Oof. I wonder so, how much uh, alcohol is going to be put in vehicles this weekend. We can always carry our handguns on our way to get the alcohol delivered to our car. That's right, but better not be caught with a joint in Texas. This can't have any uh, any real dope. That's right. Yeah, it's, it's amazing that we had alcohol to go was put through. That was a priority for the legislative session. I know. And they like pushed that through as quick as possible. And it was like, are, are we insane? We talk about drunk driving. Right. We've got signs up on the road, electronic signs go, don't drink and drive. But here's a lid over your cup and all of a sudden it's safe to put in your car and legal. Because we found and you out. Can carry, and you can carry a firearm now as well, uh, completely fine. So, um, well, I hope the next election people go to the, the voting booth and they shoot a hole through a ballot. And they're like, yep. I voted. <laughs> I voted. I'm a Texan. <laughs> and they walk off with a shiner bock in their hand. <laughs> I, mean, I think that's the most interesting thing from my perspective. You know, I'm a born and raised Texan and very, you know, cannabis friendly but it wasn't until i got in the industry three years ago that i obviously really started paying attention to the legislative session but even being a business owner even being an advocate i mean i'm not nearly as involved as jesse is in terms of being at the capitol and kind of advocating all these different platforms but it's a lot to keep track of that like i even find myself who's following all these accounts i'm you know friends with you guys on social media i'm i'm in these conversations and i'm still like wtf is going on that i can't imagine you know the next degree out from me or a consumer like my consumers come in the shop and they're like what do you mean delta 8's going away or when the smokable ban took effect like what do you mean the smokable ban took effect how how do we how do we fix this and i'm like get involved pay attention yeah. follow these accounts but it's still a lot it's so hard to stay on top of it um this is a very good point that's being brought up that i was frustrated with for the like the last three to four years was i would go into a shop and i won't say a name of a shop but it's a very prolific shop known through the austin greater austin metroplex area all the way into san antonio and they would say oh you can buy cbd i'm like it's not legal in Texas, but but the farm bill from 2014, I'm like, you may be able to sell it, but I can't keep this in my car. It's like, do you tell people that, like, are you really telling people to advocate that they need to go forward and tell their legislators, hey, I want legalization? Well, of course they weren't. And this did something amazing. This is the, the silver lining to all of this. And you're saying it yourself is that now not just yourself, but other shops that want this back and they mm -hmm. want to see things move forward will have to start engaging with customers when they ask, well, why? Oh my gosh, absolutely. And it's like, well, this is why. These are the people who said no to you. Oh, for sure. I'm, I sit there and I'm like, look, I'm at the Capitol on X, Y, or Z day. You can too. This is, this is not just for me and Jesse to show up to the Capitol. Like, you can go to the Capitol. Here's the information. Follow Texas Normal. Follow these different accounts. It's public information. Go do your public servant, you know, civil duty. I think the challenging part that I've observed from some of our customers, maybe not so much lately, but certainly when CBD was first legalized, they didn't mind buying it, but they didn't want their name associated to it. So they didn't want to publicly come out and support something. And so there was still a disconnect of, 
I want the law to be in my favor, but I don't want to help contribute to it because I, my employer, my job, my this, my that. But now you are seeing consumers. And so we do. We try to empower them. This whole week we made little cards with all the information that y'all were putting together. And we said, here's your senator's link. Go find your senator. Here's a, you know, a blurb. Use this. Go tell them why you like this cannabinoid or why you want the medical marijuana to be increased. And so really trying to empower that customer to help be a part of the change. An issue was that previously shops could not absolutely tell customers the absolute truth about hemp products legality in texas versus marijuana because mm. in texas both of them were illegal and they, they was legal for them to have it on the shelf but they could not tell people hey it's not legal for you to actually have possession of this yourself as a consumer let me ask you jesse how, how many years have you been down there actively campaigning for for reform how, how long have you been down there shada you can you can speak to this as well if you like i mean i'm just curious this being my first year, I didn't really get down there in the trenches with you guys. Uh, I mean, I'm running a business, but but I'm also kind of just overwhelmed with being a part of this this wave, if you will. And so I'm just kind of how, how was it in your first year, Jesse or, or Shana? Uh, did you guys get right down there in the trenches uh, your first year in this space? I think you articulated an interesting position, right? It's like, especially with what I was saying when we kind of opened this segment you're a business in the industry. So obviously what's happening at a policy level impacts you, but it's like finding time. And, and so for me, I first got involved with Texas normal, I guess it would have been three years ago. I'm trying to think like math, like not this legislative session, but the last legislative session, because we had just opened up our, our retail shop. And so we were trying to lean in at the time. There weren't a lot of hemp organizations operating. So we kind of got involved with normal knowing that, you know, for me, I love, cannabis of all forms. And so trying to figure out who's making impact in the industry. And so I would go to the Capitol on certain days that Jax uh, would organize different events, but I definitely didn't, you know, testify in that extent, but I would contact senators just kind of cues. Like when they would post something, I was like, okay, I can do this from, you know, like my house or my seat or whatever. This was my first year testifying. So I also had a little blip though, because, uh, I guess when you're trying to pay attention to how these things are happening, like we were at the Capitol, I think it was like last Tuesday or Wednesday and the bill was scheduled, but it ended up being scheduled towards the end. So they started the session, but then they took a break and then they didn't come back for four hours, but it's not like we're going to come back in four hours. It's like, it might be three. It might be four. It might be seven. We don't know until adjournment of the Senate. Right. And so that's where I think as a business owner, it's challenging because I wanted to give a public verbal testimony, but I had to resort to a written testimony because I had to go back to my shop and operate business. And so it just, it's, it's challenging to navigate it unless you have that time or that space yeah. to dedicate to physically be at the Capitol. Otherwise, yeah, it's just paying attention to these accounts and all the information that y'all are sharing and trying to digest it, do my part, contact the right people, and then empower my customers to do it. Yeah, I didn't know that there were, they could take all those breaks like that, Jesse. That's something that was kind of, I didn't know they could, you know, take a break for four hours and then come back. And then like one of those weekends, a couple of weekends ago, maybe it was a month ago now, uh, Heather, yourself, Coleman, all of you, a lot of, a lot of jacks, a lot of you guys in there were in, in the wee hours of the morning down there at late at night. And I, I wasn't aware that they can break like that. And so this year, my involvement was, you know, writing letters and making phone calls and, and being 
proactive in that kind of sense. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, just hats off to you guys that go down there, Jesse. Especially what you're doing is very necessary because it's understandable. We have we're the biggest state right. in the continental U.S. It is completely acceptable to say, hey, I get it. You can't drive from X part of Texas to be here in person. Right. So we need a lot of people that are doing exactly what you're talking about, Russell. And at the same time, I, I want to clarify something as well. This, I wouldn't say they're taking breaks. Yeah. You know, like what happened with the committee hearing with the hemp bill was they went, oh, we have to go to the Senate mm. floor. Mm-hmm. So we're leaving this to go to the Senate floor. And when the Senate adjourns or recesses from the floor... We will come back and address this immediately. So we're going to recess this committee, go off to the floor, do what we have to do for maybe lunch or whatever, go back to the Senate floor, be done with the Senate, and then come back to this committee and finish. And it turned into, like with the hemp bill, it was very much was they went through all these other things in the Water, Livestock, mm-hmm. Agriculture Committee because they knew the most amount of testimony was going to be on the hemp bill. For sure. So you didn't want to, for them, they did not in their committee want to start a hearing have to break the hearing into two parts because that very much happened in the house. And to me, I was, a, I was a little bit upset about that because I heard fight for people talk mm-hmm. and I very much was like, okay, well what I have to say, will need to build upon what they are talking about because we had a guy come up talking about a certification program and yeah. another individual coming up and talking about, they want to make sure the farmers are, are not have being screwed over by, Delivery permits, I believe, was the term that somebody used. And I was like, well, I need to talk to the, the certification process they're talking about. I don't think that the state should run a certification process. We have groups such as Hemp Tours. They're technically a certification process. They go around to a shop. They make sure they're licensed, doing COAs properly, and they give you a nice little certification seal saying, hey, they've been checked out. But they broke this committee hearing up into two parts. So I had to come back after like a three to four hour break. And try to remember everything everybody had said from three to four hours ago. Process that. Talk about my own talking points as well. And make sure it was still going to be clearly understood and memorable Mm. to the people I'm talking to. Thankfully, the Senate committee did not do that. Thankfully. (laughs) (laughs) And they came back later. But at the cost of that, there's people who they have to leave and they can't show back up. Right. There were several vendors who had showed up early in the morning, and they're like, well, I'm not coming back this afternoon. I'm not playing the hurry-up-and-wait game. And to an extent, they do that as well. And I say it weeds out people who are not that hardcore, I guess you could say. Like, they're interested, but it says, hey, if you stuck this out, this really means something to you. You obviously have a point you really want to make. You really wanted to get our attention. And as long as it's reasonable, good. And I got to sit there basically because Perry had seen my article from the Hemp Reporter. His office had gotten the magazine because Russell sent them in. Thank you, Russell. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, you obviously wrote this in a way that we could understand. Let's let's hear you. Like, re- like convert this to something we understand. And I was able to later go on and talk to their offices about it. It very much it worked out way better than... I thought it was going to. But as far as how long I've been in the space, um, I started going to normal meetings in 2015. It was actually, I was in a Texas government class. And there was, we talked about lobbyists and advocacy. And the professor says, you know, if you write a paper about an advocacy group or a lobbyist group, I'll give y'all extra credit. What happened to be the normal meeting <laughs> takes place 
at the same time this Texas government class took place, just right down the street. It was the Rio Grande campus hmm. here in Austin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was able to go from, I asked him, I was like, hey, this takes place at the same time. Can I go? Oh, you're going to learn way more going to that meeting so about cool. lobbyists and activists than you are sitting in my class, me talking about it. <laughs> He's like, I prefer you go to that, go to that yeah. meeting. And Nor- Texas Normal, Jackson, the rest of them like, took me in with big open arms. They're like, yeah, come on, we'll teach you everything you need to know. Learn, learn, you must one learn. One of us, one of us. <laughs> and that's when I started, that's when I really started paying attention to what, what was going on like at shops. Mm. At these, I don't, I don't, what's the proper term, Shada? Is it a novelty store? You'd call somebody, we used to call, when I was a kid, you heard the adults go, it's the head shop. Yeah, like a smoke shop, like a Planet K or a Oat Willies. We just referred to them as head shops as a kid when I was younger. And now I guess I was like, if you looked in a phone book, where would you look at? And people are like, novelty stores. Because they do sell novelty <laughs> items. But now you can literally say smoke shop, you can say CBD store. Right. I started paying attention to these things in there. And then the 2019 86 legislative session rolled around and I was like, I have, I've had it. I've had it with how I see people act about this, how they talk about it. I have a background where I did engineering. So I have chemistry, mechanical, electrical engineering experience. I've talked to elected officials before in my capacity in the military. You're, you're a veteran as well. I mean, so that's, that, that says it's a like, lot. It's like, I'm a veteran. I've studied journalism. Mm. Apparently I'm really good at this mass communication thing. I've had professors tell me I should become a teacher at some point. I'm like, well, I'm going to put this to use. I'm going to show up. I'm going to start reporting on this and get information out to people. And it became a thing in 2019 through 2019. I like really honed that skill and realized like where I saw deficiencies at and try to work to get more information out to people. And then this session, it was like, I'm definitely going up in front of committees and I'm talking. I've got stuff to say. And I think, I think Jesse, that I, I maybe, maybe I was a little concerned to get out there and speak this year. Uh, of course, we're not afraid to speak here on this show or, or through our print product, but I, I just, that maybe it takes a little bit of frustration to motivate you to get down there. I don't know, did you feel like you had any frustration? Yeah, I think I'm definitely just like such a fan of the plant and it's impacted my life in so many ways. And I see the power of it through my consumers and I'm a really big advocate in the sense of, you know, be the change. Change doesn't happen. You don't wanna just sit back and wait for laws to, you know, hopefully work out in your favor. You want to try to be a part of that process. And so, I mean, like I highlighted, it was always important for me to get involved in these organizations. Unfortunately, I don't know if the organizations were as active as they are presently today. So I think it's just a continuous growing of importance and of opportunity and of awareness. But it is important. I mean, like I tell my customers all the time, like, yes, we are here advocating, but know that you can be a part of that conversation too. And so it is very important, not just for us to be advocates from our business perspective as cannabis lovers and consumers and retailers, but also to then pass that experience and education onto our customers to know that they can have a part of that conversation. And so I think you're seeing that with more and more people submitting comments and testimonies and things like that, but it's really nerve wracking to go up there and, and say a piece and 
to feel everybody's kind of looking at you and judging you. And obviously a lot of the stances are, are not as unfavorable as the committee members. And so you're kind of challenging them saying, hey, I don't like this amendment that you made. Um, you definitely have to, you know, just kind of rip the Band-Aid off. And I think once I kind of did that this past session, I was like, oh, now I'm going to go call everybody. I'm going to talk to anybody who wants to listen. I tell people if, if you're going to go and talk, no, you should already know what you want to talk about. Yeah. You should, it should, and it should come from in your heart. And you should yeah. know why you feel that way and be able to explain it. And once you're able to do that on your own to yourself, you're just telling other people that. Right. You're telling your story. But I do think it's really important for people to know these organizations like Texas Cannabis Collective, like Texas Normal, like Foundation for Informed Texans, like be informed, follow these accounts. Like you highlighted earlier, Russell, all these updates that you're getting in your inbox. Like I'm seeing these. And as soon as I see these action items, I'm taking action on them. I'm calling, I'm submitting a letter, I'm doing whatever it's telling me to do. So I just follow the people that are making that pathway forward and then join in with that path and kind of help champion it forward. Well, it is time for us to take another quick commercial break. We're going to do that here at the Texas Hemp Show, and then we will be right back, have a couple more minutes to talk, and finish up talking about the legislative session of 2021. We'll be right back. CRI is a top 25 nationally ranked CPA firm with offices across the Southeast and with clients across the globe. Over the last few years, our firm has developed a niche in the agriculture and cannabis industry. We understand the unique challenges growers and processors face every day, including addressing challenges resulting from the USDA and DEA final interim rules, banking and insurance concerns for cannabis businesses, unique farming challenges associated with hemp and high THC cannabis, and GMP clean room management and general management for business in the rapidly changing cannabis market. Our seasoned team of professionals can help you meet these challenges with sound business, tax, financial, accounting, and technology advice. Visit CRICPA.com to find out more or schedule your free introductory consultation. That's CRICPA.com. The third annual Southern Hip Expo is now open for exhibitor and sponsor registration. This year's event will take place at the Convention Center in Raleigh, North Carolina on September 2nd through the 4th, where we will have three days of conferences, seminars, and workshops, 250 plus exhibitors, and numerous networking and entertainment opportunities. For more information, check out southernhempexpo.com. Since 1938, TPS Lab has been guiding growers of many different crops around the world to making maximum yields and quality and solving difficult field problems with advanced innovative solutions. Hemp Plan offers the most advanced guidance to industrial hemp growers. The purpose of Hemp Plan is for you to realize the highest quality and yields with minimal THC for your crop's genetics by minimizing plant biotic and abiotic stresses. TPS Lab offers many services and options to the industrial hemp grower. Contact Joe at TPS Labs at 956-383-0739. That's 956-383-0739. That's TPS Lab. 
You're listening to The Texas Hemp Show, produced by your friends at The Texas Hemp Reporter. 60,000 copies published free every year. The Texas Hemp Reporter is mailed to over 2,000 licensed hemp producers in Oklahoma, New Mexico, Arkansas, Louisiana, and Texas. News, technology, trends, finance, culture, health, all things hemp in the Lone Star State. The Texas Hemp Reporter Magazine. Now, back to the show with your host, Russell Dowden. Texas Hemp Show. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. I'm here with Shaded Tarabi, and joining us from his abode in Round Rock, Texas, is owner, publisher, Russell Dowden. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Um, uh, this has been fun doing this a little differently this way. I, I had to meet, uh, I had to meet the, the repair guy to bring in a new refrigerator, so I, I had to meet the guy, and then, uh, I thought Coleman was coming in, so I figured I'd, I'd free up one microphone, Shayna, and do the show from home. But uh, this way allowed me to experiment with the video stuff, which uh, the audio podcast listener can't, can't see. But uh, but no, this has been really cool, and um, uh, just excited to to be uh, in this space. This has been my first year being aware of the legislature. I, I, some of those sites you alluded to before the break, Shayna. Um, Texas for Responsible Marijuana Policy, Normal, uh, even Jesse's website, the Cannabis Collective. Many of the sites, when they give you a newsletter in your in your inbox, what's really cool is that you can fill the form out. You can click on there, and it'll it'll send the letter to your legislator or, or send it to your senator. And you, you can go in there and custom create your own uh, letter, although the organizations actually have one already typed up for you. But I'd like to go in there and uh, sprinkle my own opinion in there as well. I think it customizes it, and, and hopefully they they read those uh, as I'm, I'm. I mean, I guess they're reading them. I mean, people are getting giving feedback, Jesse. I hope they're reading them. <laughs> and I'm, <laughs> I'm surprised, like talking to Jax and Heather about specific areas. Like I know in the past, like Senator Hughes's area, Tyler, Texas, the individuals out there were not keen on hemp when hemp was passed their own city council apparently from my understanding the rumor that got to me was that they were going as far as saying they wanted to create their own like business ordinance as to who was going to be able to sell cbd hemp products in the town and it's such a weird area like you couldn't you weren't going to be able to get an attorney that would want to fight this because well they don't want to ruin their reputation with the local judge who may be on board with this Luckily, there's started to become more and more people who were like, this doesn't seem like it's it's a bad thing. This is this could really help our farmers out here. So it went from having only a handful of people who would contact Hughes to dozens and dozens of people who are sending these emails in to be like, hey, I want you to get a hearing. I want you to work on cha- on making this better for everybody and getting this through and pushing it through. 
because it was really strange that they even went through the process of assigning it to a committee just to go, oh, no, let's kill the bill that way. It's like, no, let's get this through. And people in areas, we were seeing an uptick in support. And the letters are done this way, as Russell said. They're filled out, pre-done. You can change them as you want, but it's done so it's it's quick and easy. Mm -hmm. So it only takes like a minute or two of your time. You go in and say, bam, bam, bam. Those are the people I want it sent to. Good to go. Yeah, I did it on camera. It's like, yeah. (laughs) Well, I did it about five or six times this year. I made phone calls to my senator, uh, my representatives in my district here, here and living in Round Rock now that I'm I've moved out of North Austin. So, um, you know, I I normally don't get that political, uh, and I haven't been. I used to many years ago when I was publishing a, a whole different kind of magazine, but um. It's good to get back in the the trenches a little, and 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 at least for me to agitate a little, and uh, get back out there in, in that sense. Um, uh, so because I do I do enjoy agitating from time to time. Um, you gotta hey, shake uh, it up. <laughs> hey, well, what we mentioned, um, I was screen sharing on the video side here the um, end of session party. Are you guys going to be a part of that? I know it's Memorial Day Monday next week, or are either of you planning on attending this? I was just curious. Uh, here, I'll share this screen again so you can see uh, what I was talking about. But this was Heather's. Uh, can you all see that there on the laptop, Jesse? I don't know. Yes, but, uh, we can see it. Yeah, there's the end of session party um, on Monday from like 4.20 p.m. to yeah. 9 o'clock. So um, I was just wondering, you know, Monday a lot of businesses are probably closed for the holiday. Banks are not open. Um, I, I, as a business owner, I didn't really even realize it was Memorial Day weekend this 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 late. But uh, I may go down there. I was just wondering if you guys thought about attending the Belmont end of session party that Heather and her 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 crew was going to throw. I'm going to try to be there. I'm going to be there. We're a sponsor. Our logo's right there oh, on you, the right oh, hand side. Are. Yeah, Restart oh, there you CBD. are. Hey. Hey, I need to get my logo on here, uh, Shayla. <laughs> yeah, we did it through Jax. She sent an email out. So anybody who wants oh, to sponsor cool. the event can make a contribution to Texas Normal. And then there's different tiers. Oh. And we just, uh, as a business owner, obviously, aside from me being able to go down to the Capitol and advocate, aside from sending letters and contacting and calling and empowering our customers, financial contribution is really another way that we want to help You know, provide some support to all the work that everybody's doing, especially through Texas normal and, you know, helping make change in our state and cannabis as best as we all can. And really truly like leaning into it takes a village to get some of this stuff passed. And I'm just grateful for everybody doing everything that they're doing. And no matter how it ends, you say village. And what comes to my mind is there's a village idiot. And it takes a village (laughs) to get rid of that village idiot. And elections are coming up. And, what, and his name is Dan Patrick. <laughs> you said it. Hey, I don't have a problem saying it. I'll say it. No, I, I don't know. I just, you know, when do we vote on these guys? When do we vote our lawmakers out? I mean, is it like coming up next year? Every, everybody, every, okay, so this next election, our governor and lieutenant governor, every representative, every state senator, mm. any year ending in a two has a complete senator election. Everyone of all 31. Wow. Yes. 
So it's always the so it's always the roll two years, the dice. So it's always the two years before where you've got some people who are just going to possibly do a two year instead of four year term, mm. and the thing that people need to focus on for governor and lieutenant governor if they're that unhappy with these individuals is not the November election. It is the primaries that take place earlier in the year because you're going to have a lot of people who they're just they're party loyal and they're going to say, I'm not voting for another party. It's like, okay, then let's find a candidate that suits the thing that sure you like, but also supports cannabis. There has to be one that's fit for this job, but let's find them. And let's, and if you want to, you don't want to switch party. Nobody's asking you to really vote for them instead. Mm. Good wisdom. Well, that's, a good, that's a good idea. And there's going to be new, there's new people running for different things of offices coming up. So, you know, pay attention to who's uh, throwing their name in the hat for, for legislature in 2022. Um, I, now that I know everything that I know about, you know, hemp and, and and being more active in this space, Jesse, I certainly will remember to show my vote, you know, in 2022 as well. You know, re- you try to be proactive about the policies that our rep- elected representatives choose to vote and enact on them. Yeah, I'll make a plug for normal. I know that they've always done a good job of bringing any candidate who is supporting cannabis. Obviously, you brought up a good point too. you know, we live in Austin, the capital city. So a lot more of these meetings and like opportunities definitely do happen here. But paying attention to their channels when these voting sessions are happening, they bring together a lot of the resources, the candidates. I remember going to some events downtown and getting to hear from these people who are running and being able to just, you know, be educated, make informed, you know, educated votes. Well, normal, normal, and Texans for Responsible Marijuana Policy do put out a voter guide. They do this every voter session, and they send out a survey to every candidate saying, "Where do you stand on these issues?" And if they are an incumbent, it also shows what they voted on in the past to show support. And that's how I found out. Well, we got ready to go to do the the penalty reduction item. Steve Toth had put up his own penalty reduction bill. And I was like, well, I'm going to go testify on his bill specifically because he had wrote in and it made perfect sense to say, Dan Patrick is not going to pass a bill for this type of thing if a Democrat writes it. Mm. And I was like, I can believe that. I mean, Joe Moody is rather conservative for a Democrat, just anywhere in the nation. He is also like the senior Democrat in the House. I mean, he's been Speaker Pro Temp two sessions now at minimum, and his bill was not getting passed. And it's like, well, let's see if we can get something very similar done by a very staunch conservative such as Toth. Get him the right one. And he wrote one. And I was like, this, I was like, this is very amenable. I, I can go with this. Representative White, another very conservative individual, wrote a bill about concentrates. I was like, I'm going to go testify to show that this is not just a one-party issue. Right. And this is both parties wanting this. But those were things in that voter guide that it's like, hey, the people who are in office are giving you hints as to what's taking place. They're, they're no longer trying to like tell you in passing and be like, wink, wink, wink. It's like, no, here's the information you need. Let's roll with it. As I was told, take people at face value with these things. 
Well, politics are politics. And as we're observing, you know, with these amendments getting put in and different things kind of shifting around, it's unfortunate sometimes it does resort to the wink and the nod and the back, you know, handshakes that are happening that we aren't privy to. But I agree in paying attention to these assets that are being put together and they're, you know, people who are trying to come out and show more bipartisan support. I think that it is there. And you highlighted another organization's ramp, I think, earlier, Republicans. Against marijuana prohibition. Yeah, which I was, you know, new, newly informed about. So we need more support from both sides, especially in a conservative state like Texas. And as we get more information out, people, as I say, have no excuses to not be active. If you care about cannabis, get informed, make your contribution. Your final word, Russ. Hey, just uh, thanks for tuning in and, uh, and a good show, guys. I um, um, we'll, we'll see what uh, what wraps up with the bills this week uh, down there on Congress Avenue, and uh, and we'll be sure to be you know to me it makes me want to get in this fight a little more and and, and start voting on um, on these issues, voting these politicians in or out. Um, but good show as we come to close on the 87th legislation. Alrighty, that is it for the Texas Hemp Show for this week. We thank you for joining in Russell Dowden, the host, as he was from his home. Co-host myself, Jesse Williams from Texas Cannabis Collective, and Shada Tarabi with Restart CBD. Plug your site real quick. RestartCBD.com. Awesome. Everybody have a great week. Be safe on Memorial Day weekend. Don't drink and drive. Stay hydrated out in the sun. Peace and love to all of y'all. Thanks, y'all. Adios. Adios. It's okay.